Well, hey, Jeff Fuller with you. So glad that uh, you've made the time to be a part. Uh, Jay Fuller Interviews on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Jay Fuller Interviews. That's Jeff Fuller Interviews. Also, the Backfire Podcast with Jeff Fuller of Jay Fuller Interviews on Apple iTunes and Google Podcasts. And we're going to cross-posting this today as we have a tremendous guest joining us. So it will also be on our church uh, page. Our church website is hopeforvermont.org, the church podcast is Living Hope Wesleyan, as we believe people's stories matter. And as we take the time to listen, we can certainly learn a lot. And one with a tremendous story is Dr. Pearl Pierce. Doctor, welcome in. Thank you, Jeff. Glad to be here, my friend. And so right up here in Vermont, we are having a heat wave. It's been in the 90s and very humid. So I've always said that in Vermont, I will complain about the cold weather, not the hot weather. However, I've got, come pretty close to uh, complaining recently. For you down in Georgia, how much do you enjoy the hot weather? Uh, Jeff, you got to understand, I'm, I'm originally from New York City. So I, I'm not really crazy about the hot weather, but I'm at that point now in my life where I, I'll take the hot weather over the cold weather any day. <laughs> oh, for sure. And uh, So you grew outside of Brooklyn, is that correct? I, I grew up in Brooklyn, a section of Brooklyn called Bed-Stuy. And so for yourself, what led you to move down south? Um, Jeff, it's going to be a crazy, crazy answer now. That's um, good. That's good. Jeff, Jeff I, uh, you know, I, I was in the Marine Corps and, and everything. And, and uh, initially what happened, I was stationed at Camp Lejeune. That's where they kept the All-Marine boxing team. And the 80 Olympic boxing trials were here in Atlanta. And so I had an opportunity to come to Atlanta. And a lot of the guys that I was in the Marine Corps with, they always talked about Atlanta. And of course, you know, I was able to, to make the team, but then we had the boycott. I went home to New York. Jeff, I got myself in a bad situation. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go somewhere where I know no one. And I wound up at a small school called Georgia Southwestern in America's Georgia because, you know, I knew Mr. Carter, President Carter, and he was from Plains, Georgia. So I went to the, to the, the small school there and, uh, decided it was the best thing for me to get out of the city, to get out of Bed-Stuy. And uh, I wound up meeting my college sweetheart who I wound up, uh, who wound up marrying. And we, uh, matter of fact, this Thursday will be 32 years. Ooh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank congratulations. you. Dr. Pierce, for you, boxing, where did you get your start in boxing? Was that just a local club, local gym where a lot of kids hung out? Did somebody see that you're natural and take – you under their wing. How did that begin? What 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 happened was, you know, growing up in the area that I grew up in Brooklyn and Bed Stuy, uh, there was an old saying. Bed, I don't know if you ever heard. It was Bed Stuy, do or die. So you had to learn how to you either wow. you were gonna learn how to fight or you were gonna run. And uh, the, the people that I hung with, we weren't gonna run. And you know, boxing was just that outlet that it, it allowed me to do what I like to do. You know, and uh, along with boxing and track. And of course, also played a little basketball. Um, you know, I I just love sports. I mean, that was our outlet growing up in the inner city ghetto. You know, where did your nickname Pearl come from? Oh man, uh, because of, of these, <laughs> uh, they were my black pearls. Hmm. And uh, also, I was I was a good little b-ball player, and they started after Earl of Pearl Monroe. Yeah, yeah. How tall are you, Doctor? Oh, that's a bad question, Jeff. No, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm five, eight and a half. 
And uh, it came to my uh, my attention that you are Jermaine Jones' uncle. I had opportunity to uh, interview Jermaine. Jermaine played in the NBA, of course, uh, with yes. the Lakers, with the Sixers, teammates of uh, Kobe Bryant. Um, yes. So having a nephew that made it to the NBA, how special was that? Or is your family full of professional athletes? Um, it, it was special. Um, because I was with him that night when he got drafted in Washington at, at the MCI Center. Um, we had our little, you know, speech, because I always love to stay in the background of everything. Um, uh, to be honest with you, biologically, he's not my nephew. Yeah, yeah. But I've known him since he was 19 years of age. Um, and, um, you know, all the kids call me Uncle Pearl. I mean, I, it's funny you say that about the family thing, because, uh, you know, we had Jermaine. One of the other kids was a kid, Chucky Atkins, who was a point guard. I've got kids in the NFL, uh, Justin Houston, uh, some former players, Christa, Christopher Samuel, A.J. Green. So, and they all call me Uncle Pearl, except for Christopher wanted me to be known as his godfather. So <laughs> he kind of changed things a little bit. So when you were approached or thought this might be a possibility to be a mentor, a role model, uh, somebody involved in these gentlemen's lives, were you taken aback by that responsibility or was that something that you knew you were created for and you could add value to their lives? I was taken back, but at the same time by me growing up the way I grew up and by me not valuing materialistic things, uh, growing up a certain way, um, I knew that I might be able to add something to their lives um, because I always remind all the kids, remember who gave you what you got. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a powerful scripture in the book of Deuteronomy eight eighteen. It says, remember, it is God that gives you the power to gain the wealth. And I wanted them to understand, don't let wealth make you, you make wealth. Yeah, so good. And that's a, that's a lesson that's hard to learn for you. How did you grow up? Did you have both parents involved in your life? You said it was more a rougher neighborhood. How did you survive those early years? I, I, I didn't meet my father till I was 18 years of age. Um, I was one of those kids that grew up on welfare. Uh, not that my mother wanted to have us on welfare, but we were poor. Um, and, um, you know, that's why I'm very appreciative of anything even now, because I remember having to go to the to the warehouses, Jeff, to pick up our our government issued food. Um, it, it just gave you a great appreciation. But at the same time, it created a toughness. If you could survive in certain areas, there was nowhere. There was no place on earth that you couldn't survive. So that grit, that resiliency is certainly a key factor in your character, your integrity. But when did that faith component begin? Oh, Jeff, you asked me one of those questions again. I was incarcerated, Jeff. And uh, there was an older gentleman. Uh, he told me, he said, listen, if you keep doing what you're doing, you know, you're too intelligent, man. You, you're a good person. But I realized when you get behind the wall, you change. Um, because, again, behind the wall, it was about what? Survival. Right. right. Um, and I, I listened to him talk and everything to me. And when I got out, I was able to get back in college and I couldn't live on campus because of, you know, I was, a, you know, I was a felon at the time, sure, you know, sure. so I couldn't live on campus. So we found this old condemned trailer fraternity, a brother of mine, his uncle had passed and the trailer had not yet been abandoned, you know, as far as given to for salvage or anything. And we went in, we, we cut down the kudzu. Uh, we put some two by fours under the floor. Um, and uh, 
I made it work, man. And uh, it, it just, again, by me growing up the way I grew up, no one was going to tell me what I could not do. Uh, because there was a gentleman who was a, a dean of the dean of academics. I'm not going to mention his name, but he told me his exact words were, you're not college material. And I was like, in my mind, I'm going, really? In my mind, actually, Jeff, to be honest with you, I, I really want to. <laughs> but he motivated. It was a motivating thing for me because, yeah. you know, when, when you grew up in the inner city, ghetto, everybody looks at you kind of weird. And I was telling people, uh, some of some kids at one of the juvenile facilities that I that I mentor at. You know, I remember my mother having to go to the the welfare office and sign out all the sign the documentation. And, and as she's doing that, people are looking at us as though we were nothing. Hmm. And it just it fueled something in me. So, Pro, if you could press into that a little bit more as far as having a chip on your shoulder, whatever expression you want to use. How did that motivate you? But when did you find peace in knowing that God had called you, that God had redeemed you? And so you were motivated, but it came not from a sense of anger, but from a sense of peace. Uh, Jeff, what happened was I wound up battling cancer, um, brain cancer. And I always used to use the word lucky. And uh, I realized that, first of all, you have to understand, when I got out of prison, I had nowhere to go. I had to sleep in the woods. I then had to sleep in an old condemned trailer that had no heat. So I suffered during the summer. I mean, during the, uh, during the winter months. And, and, and then after you know, graduating from college, moving to Atlanta and, and battling the cancer, I realized that I was blessed beyond measure. Wow. God had already, always had a shield around me. There was a divine plan that I didn't know anything about. But God said, you know what? You may have been messed up, but I'm ready to fix you up so you can do my divine will in your life. That's so good. And I just want to bring up uh, your website now, and this is what you're a part of, Kingdom Life Christian Center. Uh, I imagine this is kind of like a dream come true and just finding that purpose and passion that God created you for. When you felt led or had this opportunity open, did you shy away from it or was it a dream you knew you wanted to pursue? I was very, very afraid, Jeff. Because my, my, my daddy wasn't a pastor, my granddaddy wasn't a pastor, and I, and I knew my past, but there was, a, there was a word that God kept telling me, and that word was justification. He says, let me tell you something, son. Your slate is clean. I yeah. cleansed you up to do my divine will. But again, when you're doing things for, for our Lord and Savior, you don't want to mess it up. And I kept saying, God, uh, listen, I know they say you never made a mistake. Uh, is it possible I might be the one, you know, but but I realized God said it's a new day for a new way. And, um, you know, when I told my wife, Jeff, she was like she was in shock, you know, um, but everyone else around me was like, we knew it. We knew it, you know, but um, it, it, it just it, it's kept me humble, you know, and kept me humble. And there's a slide right there about the food pantry, and that's something we've been able to do as well as uh, create a hygiene pantry for some of the homeless here in our area. Was that something you knew you always wanted to have because of some of the things that you had to endure when you were a child? That's correct. Uh, that food pantry was extremely important to me. It was imperative that we have that food pantry because I remember those days of, of you know, having to go without it. If you had, it was the least of having. And um, I remember, Jeff, when my mother would have to write a note to someone to borrow five dollars. 
so she could get something for us. And I, I just did not want that happening to any other kid that I could help or do something about. Yeah, what a, what a tremendous story and uh, one of resilience, one of grit, but I think one that got out of plan for your life all along. But uh, Pearl Pierce making some time. And Pearl, this last year and a half, or actually two years now, just the social injustice, the social unrest. Can you just speak? And I imagine, and I'm probably stereotyping, but I just imagine that you've experienced some injustice along the way. How have you been able to focus on Jesus, stand up for those that need justice, but also know that um, we have a greater purpose, even though we are enduring such hardship? You know, yes, I, I've had to deal with issues uh, in my own personal life. But I always, like I said earlier, I knew that God had a divine plan in my life and I knew that God was in control. And I knew that at that point in time, God was going to step in. And through these injustices, that's why we see individuals being released from prison after serving numerous years in prison. Um, I just know that in, in the end, God's going to get the victory. Yeah. I don't care. I, I, I don't care how it looks. That's why the word of God said we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, it might be jacked up. But if you just keep fighting, it's going to get all right. It's going to change. Change is on the way. It's in the mail. That is good. And uh, for myself, I'm a big sports fan. I use sports analogies all the time. For you, what is something that God reminds you from your boxing days, whether training, fighting, that God reminds you how to apply to everyday life as well? Sometimes you're going to be so fatigued that you're ready to say, I'm tired. But there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says, remember, the Lord never gets what? Tired. And as long as you get, and sometimes what you got to do, you got to get on his back and get a piggyback ride, yeah, yeah. you know, so you can recoup a little bit, you know, Jeff. And that's what I do when I feel like I'm beaten down a little bit. I just remember, listen, man, put your mouthpiece in. Hey, it's time to fight. That's good. That's good. Um, I was uh, speaking with a former professional athlete and uh, the subject of faith came up and they said, I'm trying to be a good Christian, but I fail so often. When you're approached with that same sentiment, how do you respond to those individuals? You know, bottom line is I always let them, there's an analogy that I use. It's about putting some water in a bathtub, right? And if you put that water in that bathtub, if you can't walk on that water, that means you got some, some stuff in your life also that you need to fix up. And I said, so therefore, none of us are walking on that water that's why we're here to do what? To help each other. There's an old saying we hear, a little motto we have at the, here at the church, working together works. We have to learn how to work together and don't beat yourself down, pull yourself up. That's really good. And uh, knowing that we're not alone, that's just so key. Uh, Dr. Pearl, when we think about the state of the local church, as far as going online, now some are meeting in person, some have not come back, and some statistics say that only 30 to 40% of your previous COVID con uh, congregation has returned. How are you motivated not to be discouraged by some of those numbers? Jeff, it, 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 it's just not in me to be discouraged. You know, I don't care what someone says, God is still in control, point mm -hmm. blank. So if I say that I'm walking by faith, why am I going to allow somebody, uh, check this out, why am I going to allow another man's words to dictate my actions? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. My trust, should, all of my trust should be in my Lord and Savior. So, so I, I, listen, 
I believe it's going to be better than it was in the last time. Because I think what has happened during this pandemic, what it has done, it took something away from people that from, from people that they took for granted. And right. now people really want to get back to the house of God because we have people ready to bust the door down. Yeah. You know, um, because what we had, we you know, we had the outside services, and uh, uh two weeks ago it, it kind of stormed on us, so we had to bring it inside, but it was just supposed to be virtual, right? Well, you know how you have those individuals who say, Well, can we come in and sit down? So what we have done, we're gonna actually be opening up the doors uh the second Sunday in July. But what we have done, those who are coming expecting outside service, we let them come in, but we but it's also a training process for our ushers and greeters. So yeah. when when time when it's time to come back, they'll be ready. Oh, that's so good. And uh, something and going back to just your days as a boxer and uh, just training. I think sometimes people feel like when I become a Christian, everything is going to be great. But as you wanted to become a boxer, you were instantly uh, filled. Maybe you had some great uh, technique or uh, aspirations or natural ability, but it does take work. It does take effort. And I'm thankful that God doesn't judge us on our effort. He loves us no matter what. But can you just address the spiritual disciplines that are needed for followers of Jesus just to grow in their faith? Well, you know, first of all, you know, you've got to pray. That's something you have to do. When we start to start talking about, you know, spiritual disciplines, the praying, the teaching, I mean, the, the studying rather, because a lot of times what happens, Jeff, people want to go to church and they want to hear the word of God, but they don't want to study for themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's why I always tell people you've got to pray. You know, you, you've got to study even the fasting part, but you've got to get to the point in your life where you make it a daily part of your life. And check, and it was something that I do, Jeff, and I tell people all the time, give yourself a spiritual examination. Yeah. See if you are practicing your, practicing your spiritual disciplines. And once you give yourself that spiritual examination or that spiritual physical, you'll know where you're lacking at and what you need to do or do more of. Now, for you, what are some of the key things that you try to do each and every day to keep you focused on God's calling on your life, but also having a heart for the lost? Man, I, 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 I make sure I get into my, my studying. And the other thing is I always remind myself, Jeff, of where I come from. When I think about where I come from, it lets me know that I am no better than anybody else. Because the truth be told, you know, we talk about how we were created from dust, right? Guess what? I, I've never seen somebody say there's a first degree, second degree, or third degree dust. You, you understand? So how dare any of us think more highly of ourselves than we ought to? That's why here at Kingdom Life and myself in particular, prison ministry is big to me. You know, dealing with the people on the streets from prostitutes. I I, I deal with everybody, Jeff. Yeah. Um, because this, you know, I who am I? Yeah, and I'm just reminded how um, how we have such a message of hope. And uh, I was just sharing with somebody that, that phrase that we're just beggars sharing bread with other beggars. And mm. keeping things in context is just so important. And uh, I look at your example of two others. And you mentioned, we mentioned Jermaine Jones, some professional athletes. And some people would say, hey, Pearl, that's great for you. God's allowed you to do this. But for me, I'm working with middle school kids that I don't even know if I'm making a difference. What would you say to them? I would tell them they're making a difference. You may not see what you want to see right now, but they will remember later on. Because I'll, even, I'll tell you this, Jeff, even with some of the professional athletes that I have dealt with and that I still deal with, 
when everything initially started, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know if I was making any headway or whatever the case may be. But years later, those individuals, they remember what we talked about in the day. And so it may not look like you're nothing's happening, but hey, you just gotta stay steadfast and keep moving. So Pearl, who are a couple people that really invested in you when you were young? Oof. Um, one was a gentleman by name Mr. Smith. He was a policeman in our neighborhood. Um, he got me into track and field. And um, he would come by and look for me. He would find me and uh, take me to the track. And and I hated it, but I would do it because I knew he was he was he loved me. And the other person was my grandfather. My grandfather would drive from Wilmington, North Carolina every sun every summer to make sure that I was doing OK. Wow. And uh, he loved me unconditionally. I mean, he he was my man. You know, my grandfather was my heart. Pearl, can you just share the story of when you met your father when you were 18 years old? Oh, Jeff, it was it was interesting. What had happened? I had asked my mother about my father when I was about 10 or 11 years old, Jeff. And um, I thought she was doing the exorcist effect on me, um, if you know what I mean. And, yeah. and I, I got oh, slapped. Yeah. I got I got slapped for that, you know. Uh, but one day, um, she was partying a little too much, and someone asked her who my father was, and they didn't know that I was in an area where I could hear. And I I, I wrote the address. I wrote the information down, um, and it took me four years to find him. And um, I met him getting ready to go off to my freshman year of college. Drove over to Tom's River, New Jersey, and it was. It was weird because I, the way we grew up, growing up in the inner city ghetto in Bed-Stuy, and I get over to Tom's River, New Jersey, and Jeff, he's living in a house. We didn't know he's driving a car, a Lincoln Continental, you know? Yeah. Uh, his children, the other children, they had dirt bikes and all this stuff, and we're like, wow. I'm like, wow. You know, we we never had anything, you know? Um, it, But, you know, I... I, I Later on in life, I said, you know what, God, you had a plan. I don't, I don't quite understand why things were the way they were, but, you know, whatever. And, and I didn't see my father again for 10 years after that. Well, you know, I was just curious to meet the man and see, you know, he was a heck of a little athlete himself. And it, it kind of made, you know, I got a greater degree of understanding why I was athletically gifted to be, you know, national champions and everything. Because I always wondered, where did this stuff come from? <laughs> you know, but I found out. and But it was really... It was interesting, Jeff, because like I said, after I met him, I just was like, okay, I met him, see you. And had not one of my brothers invited me to his wedding, I don't know if I ever saw him again. Well, when we think about statistics, there's real stories and people behind those statistics. And I just want to ask you, some of the decisions you made that by your own confession got you in trouble, got you in places that you did not want to go, but God used those situations as you were incarcerated and God showed up there do you think you were trying to fill a void by that type of behavior or were you just kind of doing what everybody did and it wasn't to cope with some of those hardships that you grew up with it was a combination of it i was i was angry uh uh the neighborhood um 
I, I was angry. I was an angry little man. I was just angry because, you know, the way we grew up, um, the environment you were in. If, if, you, if you ever go back and you re research Bed-Stuy back in the 60s and the 70s, okay. it, it was notorious. I mean, they, wow. mo they made movies about it. Uh, that's why you had the saying, Bed-Stuy, do or die. Yeah. Uh, we had riots there. Um, when you had the riots going over in Newark, you had them going over in Harlem and Bed-Stuy. Um, uh, if you ever look at any of the documentaries with, uh, what's his name? With Biggie, uh, okay. you were here, you were here in the, in actually in the, 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 the story there, uh, people from Harlem, like, uh, oh God, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Puff Daddy, you would hear them saying you didn't go to Bed-Stuy because if you went to Bed-Stuy, you were going to get robbed and everything else. Wow. Um, it, wow. it was just part of the environment, man. And it was, and it was so hard to, to let it go, you know? Um, you 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 were taught to be hard, yeah. And you didn't and you did not enjoy your child. I didn't enjoy, you know really being very realistic in, as far as enjoy, enjoying a childhood, riding your bicycles, going outside to play. Nah, buddy, no, nah, that was not. Nah, nah. That's why when I see the things that are happening today, and people say all oh, this violence is so new, I'm like, nah. I grew up like that, <laughs> you know. And now you have a DR in front of your name, Dr. Pearl Pierce. Yes, when yes. you uh, have opportunity to speak to younger students and they're kind of trapped, they, they feel trapped, what joy does it give you to be able to say, to say that you grew up likewise, but because of God, because of choices, you were able to break free and make better choices now? You know, I let them know. Don't ever, don't ever, don't ever let anyone tell you what you cannot accomplish. You know, that's why my daughters would tell you, I, 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 they have my heart, but I don't like complaining. And that's why I tell these young men, don't complain to me. Don't tell me what you can't do. Tell me what you don't want to do. Yeah. Hey, uh, Dr. Pierce, talk to us a little bit about Kingdom Life Christian Center. A lot of people look at different churches. They feel like uh, all the churches are the same or whatever category they put you in. What type of local church is Kingdom Life Christian Center? We are a church that, first of all, we believe in teaching the Word of God, but we believe in serving people, not necessarily just church people. I mean, all people, um, because, again, of how I grew up, I don't I, I, I stuck. When I went to church, I, I used to think that everybody in the church was holy. Nobody did any wrong. And then all of a sudden I got there. I'm like, whoa, these people jacked up, you know. But I, I, I just wanted people to understand, come as you are. You know, God will fix you up. That's why some Sundays, you know, as you see here in the picture, I'll wear a suit. Then some Sundays I'll wear me some jeans with a T-shirt. Yeah. Uh, or, or, or we have like a cultural Sunday where I might wear a dashiki, whatever. I want people to just understand, don't ever tell me you don't have church clothes. If you have jeans and a T-shirt, you have church clothes. That's the truth. And, uh, Doctor, I just want to have you, um, as we uh, look to wrap things up, but just share a little bit. From your sports perspective, you mentioned all the different sports that you were able to play. It seems as though whatever you tried, you were good at. What sport did you try that you weren't good at? Was there a sport that you wanted to be more proficient, but it didn't come as natural as you wanted? I, I, I hate to say it, Jeff, but ah, there is one sport. All right. I, 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 was, I went through a program, Jeff, called ABC, A Better Chance. A Better Chance was a program that came and got kids that they thought were 
gifted or somewhat intelligent from inner city ghetto areas, okay? ABC uh, took me to this place called Meriden, New Hampshire. And I was like, what? And I told my mother, I'm not going, point blank. Well, they, of course, in New Hampshire, skiing, soccer, right. hockey. Right. So I, you know, I was fast, so I said, I'm gonna play some soccer. It ain't work too good. <laughs> <laughs> I outran the ball, and, and you know, it was just, it was fun, but I, I just, but I had only done it for like one season. So I, and I had never played it before. So it was brand new to me, uh, a brand new sport and a brand new world. Yeah, my friend who coaches basketball, he tells his basketball players they can play soccer to get in shape for basketball or if they play goalie because they can use their hands and it's good for their lateral movement. But uh, soccer is certainly a sport that a lot of people love. It just um, never came as naturally for me for me either. But uh, Pearl Pierce, we thank you again for uh, just sharing some time. And um, when you look at opportunities that people have but legitimate excuses that we make because we're busy, because people don't listen, because of whatever reason. What would you say to a Christian, a follower of Jesus, about still the importance of at least trying to build that relationship with others? You know, I, I would I would remind them of this. We we serve a God. Christ was a relate. He, he built relationships. He was relational, and we are created in His image, and God is expecting us to look like him. We are to glorify God. We, we are that light. So he said, listen, if I had to build relationships, that's what I'm expecting of my children. So we have to say, listen, I'm going to make myself do what I ought to do because I want to glorify my daddy. Oh, that's so good. Pearl, uh, hopefully a fun question. A couple more and then we'll get you out. What do you like to do okay. for fun? Do you still like to play sports? I know for me, all the indoor gyms were closed, so we've been playing basketball outside. I'm 46. I know I look a lot younger, but uh, <laughs> playing on blacktop, running full court. I'm the oldest guy there. I still like to shoot, but the wind kind of throws me off. But my knees hurt, my body aches, and I still love to play. But, man, my body just doesn't hold up like it used to. What do you like to do for fun? I, I like to I get in the gym. I, I like to work out. Uh, I like to work out in the martial arts. Um, I have me a heavy bag in my basement where I still work on my hands and everything. Uh, I do. I, 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 I just believe in staying in shape. You know, the word of God says, glorify me with your body and yeah. spirit. And I, I, I just believe in that. Uh, athletics has always been a part of my life. Being a former Marine, been, it's just certain things I'm going to do until God says, I can't do it anymore. Um, I, I, I kind of freak people out every now and then because I go to the gym and I'll, I'll deadlift like 500 pounds or something like that. Oh, I do my little jumps on the uh, the, the Pilates jumps, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and like this morning, I did legs, and my, my some of my partners were like, "Man, Pearl, you don't need to do any jumps." I said, "Oh <laughs> yes, I'm doing my jumps." I, I I still Jeff like to challenge myself. I think it's gonna always be in my daughters because my baby girl was a, a three time All American at Florida State in track and field. Wow. So she, you know, she like, "Hey, Dad, you know, hey, chill out." But it's it's just in me, Jeff. It's just. It's just in me. Yeah, man. Sports are a lot of fun. And uh, just one illustration that I use, I, I never, I was one of those guys that put on hockey gloves and hockey helmets and boxed in the, the Bible college dorm. That's what I did for boxing. 
But we talk about pulling punches, and I use that as an illustration that sometimes we pull our punches when God wants us to punch through. But speaking to a boxer as you are, how dangerous is it to pull a punch? If you, if you, if, when we think about the spiritual realm, if you pull a punch, you can cause someone to lose their life. Hmm. You know, um, because you know, I think about the scripture where it talks about the blood being on our hands. Um, you know, God is saying, listen, you need to go talk to this individual. This is what you need to say to this individual. And you say, oh, no, not me. And all of a sudden, that person who you could have saved, now they're out there in the world a little deeper and now they're lost. So I, I don't I one thing. I don't believe in pulling punches. I believe in using tact. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I believe in using tact because I always tell people, be careful how you approach someone, because the way you approach them. Maybe the the way they react to you, you know, uh, and don't play the holy than thou card, you know, because um, I I think Jeff one of the funniest things I took some I had some deacons that constantly kept telling me, oh Pastor Pearl man we want to go to the prison with you. Now they didn't know they were going to a maximum security prison. Yeah, yeah. It's, we have a prison down here called uh, it's, it's called Jackson, and it's where death row is at and everything. And um, and I I wanted them to go, but I I. I I want them to learn a lesson. And that was this. You have to learn to how to really be humble as a believer. Because now you're in a place where these men know the word of God better than you do. Yeah. And, and, but they're looking for a sermon, not they necessarily hear one. Right. And they can smell fear. And Jeff, I wish you could have been with me there that night because the deacons, I mean, I had to get up in front and tell the fellas, listen. This is their first time here, and everybody started <laughs> laughing because they could see and smell the fear. Yeah. Um, and one of my deacons, he's deceased now. He passed of COVID. You know, he always did a lot of talking around the church, right? Jeff, he got inside the prison and said what? Nothing. <laughs> you know, but it, it, it was it was it was a great experience, and and they got they received they they received a greater appreciation of my passion to do what I do. And matter of fact, what I do every March, we didn't do it this year. Every March, we get about five or six athletes, and we call it NFL Day or whatever. And we spend that time at the prison. They get like 250 the inmates in there. And we minister to them. And they, 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 they the, the athletes get a chance to just allow them to ask questions about athletics and their spiritual life, et cetera. And uh, it, it, it's, a bomb. It, it's, it's the bomb, man. Yeah, I remember when I was in Bible college, I think I was either a junior or senior, and uh, we got to visit a maximum security prison. And it wasn't just one, but I remember twice, two of those doors closing behind me. And I don't think I've ever prayed so hard in my life. I was like, whoa, I thought I was going to preach to these guys, but I'm preaching to myself that God's with me and I'm going to be okay. And uh, you know what I'm talking about. It was just one of those yes, uh, yes familiar experiences but don't uh, don't feel bad don't feel bad jeff that's the way these guys were because coming into jackson sisters the death row prison you know you go underground first of all there's two gates that when you come through the door it's two gates then you have to go underground then you come up it's one two three three other gates once wow. you're actually into the prison so and 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 one of the deacons said to me he says pastor are we gonna be okay i said i'm good i said i'm good yeah. i hope you <laughs> And as God's word says, if not us, then who? And so if yes. God has a call in your life, then just be obedient. He's going to take you 
to some uh, special places. And uh, Dr. Pearl Pierce, we thank you so much for making the time. How can we be praying for you from Vermont for all of you down there in Decatur, Georgia? Man, pray that um, we're in, Jeff, right now, we're in the process of uh, possibly purchasing the building that we've been in for the last five years. Uh, pray for that for us. And, and just pray that we be truly beacons of light in this dark time. Uh, and, and, and that, as you said earlier, that we don't pull any punches, you know, that we really do what the Lord has ordained us to do. And then we walk in faith, not fear. Pearl, would you be so kind to uh, close us in prayer and pray for us here in Vermont as we just yes. endeavor to do the same and share God's hope with others? Yes, man, please. You know that. Father, we give you honor. We give you glory. We thank you, Father God, for this opportunity, Father God, first of all, to fellowship over the airways, Father God. Lord, I just pray, Father God, that the, uh, this podcast, Father God, that, uh, that my brother Jeff is doing, Father God, just helps to save lives and transform lives, Father God. Lord, right now, I pray for my brothers and sisters up there in Vermont, Father God, that they continue to do your divine will, Father God. Father God, that they walk, Father God, with power, Father God. Always you're being reminded that you never created them to be pitiful, but powerful, Father God. That, Father God, wherever they go, Father God, they'll be difference makers, Father God. Lord, right now, you just touch their hearts and their minds, Father God. And let them know, Father God, that they are mighty men and mighty women of God, Father God. And all they got to do is trust you, Father God. Lean not to their own understanding, but acknowledge you and trust you with all of their hearts, Father God, and let them be reminded never to be wise in their own eyes, Father God. Lord, you touch my brother, Father God, from the top of his head to the sole of his feet, Father God. Purge anything out of him that should not be in him, Father God. Lord, when he when he preaches the, the, the word of God, Father God, let again, Father God, lives be transformed, Father God. Let him speak the words that come from heaven, Father God, with power and authority, Father God. Lord, you just bless his family and bless all the families, Father God, in that area, Father God. Lord, let them understand, Father God, that we all are your children, Father God. Black, white, Asian, whatever, Father God, because you call us just children. You didn't distinctly say any particular uh, race of people, Father God. You call us your children, Father God. Lord, let us get this thing right. Let us come together the way we ought to be together, Father God. Lord, I just say thank you, Father God, for using something, someone like me, Father God. Let me continuously do your will, not my will. And even if I ever get to the point where I want to stop, you'll slap me side my head and say, run on till I tell you to stop. Lord, right now, I just want to say thank you again for Jeff allowing me to be on his podcast. I am honored, Father God, in the blessed name of Jesus, I do pray. Amen, amen, and amen. And amen. Hey, Pearl, thank you so much. We wish you all the best. Let's uh, let's keep in touch and uh, be yes, blessed please. today. And hey, again, man, I love you, man. Hey, thanks so much. That's Pearl Pierce. And uh, you can find more about his church at klccdecatur.org. That's klccdecatur.org. We wish you all the best. Thanks again for tuning in. And uh, listen to someone's story and learn from it. And know that we are better together, especially when we have a deep faith and a hope that certainly passes all understanding. Thanks, all.